Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Hello, One Church. Hope you're doing well. My name's Edward, um, and I am one of the members of the One Church Bristol team. Um, and I hope you've really been enjoying our, um, our online services and been enjoying our planted series where we've been um, using the metaphor of plant life um, and trees um, and focusing on Psalm 1 in particular um, and about how we can be rooted in Christ and the way that we live our lives. Um, and I'm going to continue on that theme today um, and talk to you a little bit about um, what I feel is important in terms of stretching ourselves. Um, But you're going to need to look at another passage as well, which is Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. And you might want to have that open on your Bible um, or your uh, new fandangled phone or tablet or wherever you like to read your Bible. Um, So Mark chapter 8, 31 to 38, and we will come back to that shortly. I don't know about you, but all this uh, talk of plants and uh, trees has given me a um, a newfound appreciation of nature um, and all of these walks that we've been going on during this lockdown time. And um, I've started to notice a lot more trees and plants that I'd never really noticed before. Um, and we're near where I live. I'm sure some of you have uh, have seen Willsbridge Mill and some of the beautiful wildlife that you can find down there um, and all the other places around. It's just amazing to see so much variety in our country, um, in God's green and pleasant land, uh, as the famous hymn says. I want to start today by giving, uh, telling you a story um, that's all to do with a garden. Um, and it will teach us something very important and crucial about the Christian life. And it might be a story that you've heard before, um, but we'll, uh, uh, well, we'll remind people of it anyway. There was once a garden that um, was surrounding an abandoned castle. And every day, children used to, after school, used to go into the garden and used to play and enjoy the surroundings. They'd play hide and seek amongst the bushes. Maybe they'd climb trees. And it was a beautiful, beautiful scene. If you looked out on it, you would have seen children enjoying themselves and playing and having so much fun. Everything in the garden blossomed and bloomed as it should. And birds came and sat in the branches of the trees. It was just a wonderful sight to behold. One day, the giant who owned the castle and owned the surrounding garden, came back from his long holiday away. And he was horrified to see that there were people and children in his garden. He boomed at the top of his voice. What are you doing in my garden? The children were horrified and terrified and they immediately fled. The giant was so furious that people had had the cheek to go into his garden and use it for themselves, that he built an enormous wall all the way around his grounds and put up an enormous sign that said, trespassers will be prosecuted. And for a while, the giant was happy because he had the garden all to himself and he could enjoy all of its beauty and its nature. But then... One day, things didn't go quite to plan. The garden that he had once loved 
started to wither and faint. Snow and a bit of frost came upon the garden, which meant that all of the leaves uh, shed from the trees and nothing could grow. The giant became more bitter and more miserable in himself, and he couldn't understand why his garden had turned from something so beautiful to something so vile and miserable and depressing. This went on for many a year, and even in the summer months, nothing seemed to grow in the giant's garden. The high wall kept all the children out from being able to enter in. Then one day, the giant awoke from his sleepy sleep and he looked out of the window and he saw that in the far corner of the garden, there was blossom on the trees. The giant couldn't believe it. After all of this long time of winter and darkness and misery, he noticed in one corner that the trees had started to flourish and bloom again. He went out in his cold winter coat and headed down to the far end of the garden to where the tree was. And in the tree, he saw a boy. How did you get into my garden? He said. The boy turned around and said, there was a hole in the wall that I managed to get through and escape through. The giant was so relieved to have the garden back to how he had once had it before. And he was full of joy. And he realized that actually his garden was much better um, enjoyed when there were other people in it to share it when he gave his garden to others. Suddenly, he had his garden back again. What a selfish giant I have been, he said. And immediately he smashed down the wall and he broke the sign that said, trespassers will be prosecuted. Children, once they realized that the giant was scary or, or terrifying anymore and wanted them to come and play in the garden, came and enjoyed it happily and the bitterness and the frost dissipated and went away, and the garden returned to how it had always been. The giant never forgot that boy who had entered through the hole in the wall and had been the first one to break into the giant's garden. He never saw him again though, until one day he came out and he saw at the far end the boy who had once been in his garden and transformed it. He said, where have you been all of this time? And the boy showed him his hands and they had pierce marks in them. And the boy turned around and said, you let me play in your garden and now you can come and play in my garden, which is paradise. It's a fantastic story. It's called The Selfish Giant by Oscar Wilde. Um, and you might have heard it before. It's a brilliant children's story, but it teaches us so much about selfishness and greed. And it's a, the garden is a metaphor for our own hearts. If we open up our hearts to others and open up our hearts to God, we find that our garden is transformed beyond our wildest dreams. Let's go back to our uh, the, uh, passage that I asked you to have a look at before, um, which is Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. And I'm just going to read that for you now. And it uh, uh, comes from a section in Mark's gospel where Jesus is predicting his own death. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law 
and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus turned and looked at his disciples. He rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What is it? What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I just want to focus on those two verses in the middle there, um, where verse, 35 particular, verse 35 particularly. But verse 34 says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to be my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever um, wants to give his life to me will find it. I always like to know when anyone does a talk um, how many points the preacher is going to make. And um, it, I, I just think it helps me because I know I can brace myself for the end then. Um, but I'm going to make three points particularly about this passage and three things I think that we can learn um, as we live our Christian lives and finish this planted series. And the first one is this. From that passage, we get the point that Christians are called to submit is a real danger that we think that the Christian life is some kind of self-help program where it's all about improving and bettering ourselves. That's certainly not the life that we're called to as Christians. We're called not to gain as much as we possibly can, but to give everything away, to give everything over to God and submit it to him and say that my life is no longer my own and I choose to give it to you. We must deny ourselves. How often do your thoughts go to you and what you want? And how often do you use the word my, my life, my car, my house, my family, my job, my children? We need to get into the habit of not saying my life, my job, my car, my house, my children. We need to get into the habit of saying your job, your house, your car, your life. We need to choose to give those things over to God. Not to not care about them, but to recognise that we aren't ultimately in control of those things. In the um, Lord's Prayer, one of the lines that's often skipped over is the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done. We as Christians need to practice saying those words, your will be done, living our lives for God, not for ourselves. If you haven't heard of um, the life of George Muller, I thoroughly recommend that you um, read his autobiography or his diary, his journal. 
Um, and you can actually go and visit his, uh, his uh, there's like a museum and exhibition, um, and you're, you may have driven down Muller Road, in fact, if you're a Bristol Rovers fan. Um, but George Muller dedicated his life to running orphanages for the children of Bristol. And he relied wholly on God. I mean, uh, he was a man who used to get up at like five in the morning, I believe, and pray for five hours straight before he even began his day. That was how much he dedicated his life in service to the Lord. But he didn't rely on his own strength and his own abilities. But he said, your will be done. He used to wait patiently at the dinner table um, without any food or any money for food whatsoever, worrying that he didn't worry at all about where that food was coming from. And then there will be a knock at the door from a local baker or someone else who donated the food just in time for the meal. A man of incredible faith. Do we want to live our lives like that? Do we want to be like George Muller? Or do we want to live our lives for ourselves, just seeing what we can gain? So the first point I wanted to make was Christians are called to submit. The second point I was going to make is that Christians are called to be servants, living our lives for other people, not just for ourselves. We're called to live for God and we're called to live for others. Christianity is not a self-help programme. It's also not a club. It's not a community. I love the idea that the Christian church is an organisation that, that works and lives for the benefit of its non-members, the people who aren't in the group. So many groups are about looking after each other within the group, but the Christian life is about looking out for those who aren't in the group. I had to look back on my life when I was at university because I suddenly found that I was spending all of my time just in church or with other Christians, whether it be Bible study on a Monday, prayer group on a Tuesday, band practice on a Wednesday, actual church on a Sunday, um, playing for a Christian football team on a Saturday. So spending all of my time surrounding myself with other Christians. Christians are called, like trees, to stretch out. Yes, they're rooted in the soil of Christ, but we're called to reach out to others, to shine our light to those around us, to provide shade for those who aren't in the club. One of the greatest privileges that I had in my life was um, doing Bible studies in prison. Um, and my father is, used to be a prison chaplain for a long time, um, and that gave me the opportunity to go into prisons and lead Bible studies. And I have to say that it was one of the most rewarding experiences that I've ever had. I was talking to people who were on the edge of their seat, not knowing whether Daniel from Daniel and the Lion's Den gets eaten or not. When we did the Christmas story and we talked about Jesus being born in an inn, one of the people turned around to me, one of the inmates turned around to me and said, in what? But there was something so refreshing about being with people who were experiencing and encountering the stories of Jesus and his life for the first time. We're not called just to minister to those around us. And yes, we can support each other and help each other. But our real calling is to serve, to go out to those people um, who aren't in the club. How much of your week do you spend with people who don't know Jesus? How much of your week do you spend with people who already know who Jesus is? Perhaps that's a challenge for you to think about today. Christians are called to serve. And finally... Christians are called to suffer. We are not called to an easy, comfortable life. 
Christianity is not about bettering our own circumstances, about improving and flourishing our own little garden so that we can enjoy it for ourselves. The Christian life is about cost. When was the last time you did something that actually cost you something? I mean, really cost you something. And you actually chose that path. Yes, suffering happens in our life. And sometimes we can't control that happening to us. But when do we actually choose to do something that limits our own comfort for the benefit of somebody else or the benefit of God? Another person I really encourage you to read, if you haven't yet, is a guy called David Wilkerson. And famously wrote a book called The Cross and the Switchblade. He lived a very comfortable life in um, the deep south. I can't quite remember where, but if you read it, you can find out. But then he one day, he opened the newspaper and he saw that there were the uh, group, a uh, gang from New York of teenage boys who were being put on trial. And something in him, his heart stirred and he was inspired to go out and give up everything. Um, take whatever possessions he could take with him, take his whole family to New York to go and live in New York. And he dedicated the rest of his life to ministering and preaching and reaching out to those communities and to those boys. Absolutely incredible story, full of danger and difficulties and trials and living on the edge of life. We're called to do radical things, to do amazing things, to do spectacular things. Do we want to live a life of mediocrity? where it is just about being as comfortable and as, and as safe and as, and as normal as possible? Or do we want to live lives like George Muller, David Wilkinson, where we give our lives over to God and do something spectacular? And I guess the question is, what kind of garden do you want to have? What kind of garden do you want to grow? Do you want a garden that you just keep for yourself or do you want a garden for others to be able to enjoy? My prayer for you today is that you uh, learn to submit, give everything over to God. My prayer to, for you today is that you learn to serve, giving your lives for others. And my prayer for you today is that you learn to embrace suffering recognising that, that we live our lives for a greater purpose than just living in comfort. What are you going to do today that's going to change things for you and your circumstances? What are you going to do today to make a difference for other people? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts that you give us. We thank you that you have called us to follow you, to pick up our cross. We pray that we choose to do that daily, to choose to follow you. And it can be so difficult, Father, when we want to do things just for ourselves. Help us, Father, to learn um, through suffering. Help us, Father, to learn through serving. May we live our lives stretched out for others. And may we make a difference in this world for your kingdom.
we pray. Your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening and sharing um, with our service today. Um, and I appreciate if you uh, put something in the comments to say what you've learned about um, your Christian walk today. And uh, yeah, every blessing. See you soon.